everybody, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you yet another amazing episode of the podcast, um, if I do say so myself, and I do. Um, this is uh, episode 74, which is all about Stranger Things, the Netflix TV series, um, and joining me in this session is uh, my friend Tiffany, who you'll remember from past podcasts and whatnot. Uh, we've both uh, been fans of it uh, since it started. And we wanted to talk about it, uh, like we wanted to talk about everything, so spoiler alert, just FYI. Um, but yeah, so this is just all about Stranger Things. Um, we, we do cover uh, the entire series. We also talk about kind of Netflix in general towards the end there, so there's a, there's a lot of ground covered. Um, and uh, I know it's been a while in terms of posting certain th- you know things, you know podcasts and whatnot. Um, but I recently moved, so we're uh, hopefully going to get back on a better schedule. Maybe I don't know. The life is what it is. But uh, for now, please to enjoy uh, episode seventy-four, all about Stranger Things. Because when we're talking about the Upside Down, what we're really talking about is Stranger Things. <laughs> Start doing the Twilight Zone, like do 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 do. Honestly, it was it was interesting because the the theme music for Stranger Things mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of the same style of theme music as uh, the Twilight Zone, or um, let's see, what was that other one? Because there was the Twilight Zone, but then there was the other other huge, weird TV show that was actually kind of creepier than that, that was on sci-fi in, like, the early 90s. Mm. I just lost the name for it, like... Oh. Was it an anthology show, or was it a... Was it uh, Outsiders, or something like outsiders? that? Outsiders? Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It just, it definitely brings back more than just the 80s for me, which was really cool. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, so, uh, we're officially starting here, I've been recording, so I, I at least I at least know at the 20-minute mark is where we <laughs> it officially starts. Well, we should probably do a better introduction to things than that. Well, I usually do an introduction at the, uh, I record a separate one, so. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and not rely on me for a smooth start, apparently. Well, you did the transition thing. for 20 minutes, and then we'll eventually circle back. You did the transition thing, so we'll we'll use that as like the cut in for after the the soundtrack, whatever I use. And now that we're talking about it, the meta conversation that's now happening here. Yes. <laughs> but yes, uh, Tiffany has returned to the podcast so that we can talk about a very awesome show, Stranger Things, which is on Netflix. Yes. Um, it is. Uh, it's what? It's eight episodes, and we're going to spoil the crap out of this one. So if you haven't. 
uh, watched it, I would suggest you stop this, go back, do it now, uh, go watch it. It's really awesome, but it will keep you up at night. Um, <laughs> stop being productive and watch things on Netflix with us. It's exactly. Fine. No, I'm, I'm not even kidding. When I started it, it was like, it was two weeks ago, I think. I started at like nine o'clock on a Saturday going like, I'll just watch one or two episodes and then just oh, watch the rest. Oh, lying to yourself. Okay. I, I was. I started at nine and then 4 a.m. later, um, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh, I should probably go to bed. Right. Maybe sleep for a few hours before I get up enough to do stuff. Well, at least you chose a Saturday. That's true. You know, like I think I started mine on a Sunday night mm-hmm. uh, because I had just finished something else. I think Outlander, maybe. Okay. Because um, I bounce around from different TV shows, mm-hmm. and I started that because Carlos was doing something else entirely, and I figured watch something scary on headphones so that they don't have to be bothered with it because they're not into scary anything at all. Gotcha. Uh, that. That was probably a mistake on my part, (laughs) because, man, did I dream about a whole bunch of fucked up shit. (laughs) And there's the rub. Um, Yeah, because the whole whole thing about Stranger Things, uh, again, if you haven't seen it and just really don't care about spoilers, and here we go, uh, the whole... First, why are you? Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, I guess you're cool with that. Um, which I do the same thing all the time. I'll listen to spoiler ups on things, just be like, whatever, I don't care. It's not going to, you know, ruin my fun. Um, I mean, that is how we determined that we were not going to go and see things like Suicide Squad. That is true. So, Very true. Mm. Call back. saved, guys. <laughs> so much money saved. Um, the I guess the the plot ish of of the show is it is set in uh, 1983. Uh, the I think it's right before Christmas, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, you know, sometime in the fall of 1983, and a young boy named uh, Will goes missing. His friends are trying to find him, and it turns out that he may or may not be in the uh, uh, another dimension, guarded by some really freaky uh, monsters. And there's also a young girl who was part of a government experiment, shady organization, who also has telekinetic and psychic powers. So there's, like, three different stories happening all with, like, kids and teens and adults, and when they all converge, it's, like, epic. It's so epic. It's just amazing. And it's just basically homages to a lot of 70s and 80s movies on top of it. Without being a total ball of cheese, though, Mm. because I have had the unfortunate nostalgia trip back down memory lane and have gone and watched a few of the the films from, like, 70s and the 80s that I grew up with, Mm -hmm. and it, they don't hold up, man. Yeah, some of them, it's it's rough. (laughs) Yeah, do not go back and watch Bride of Chucky, guys. You'll be just so disappointed in yourself. Bride of Chucky. I think all of the child's play movies are kind of like. Oh God! I I it's never terrible. as much as I don't care for I I don't like porcelain dolls like porcelain dolls freak me out and it's just because the, they're soulless and will murder you in your sleep, Sam. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Needed that reminder. I've had a whole room full of porcelain dolls and or creepy dolls that had been passed down through the generations of Kennedys. <laughs> so. 
that's why I don't have my soul is what I'm really circling around to. Gotcha. Now that we've solved that mystery. Uh, it, it was not, in fact, a donut. It was dolls. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Child's Play for me always was like, look, that doll is shorter than you. You should be able to overpower that thing. Kick it, maybe? That, Set it on fire? I just never understood that because he's... I, I get when, like, dolls are enchanted by some kind of a supernatural force, then perhaps they have strength beyond what they're actually capable of. But Chucky is is limited to the actual physicality of that doll. Yep. Which means he should not be able to do anything. anything. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but, like, the Cabbage Patch-style dolls that I grew up with... <laughs> They didn't even have actually articulated limbs. Like, that shit was sewn together and it was all made of fuzz. Oh, yeah. Don't think they lifted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Chucky, the, the minute he tries to start walking, he's like, <laughs> just falls over. He's like, I don't have knees. Exactly. It's really kind of an issue when you try to make any sort of movement. Yeah. Well, and it, it's an issue when you try to make a doll, like, so scary that, you know, people would actually you know, uh, have nightmares because of it. Right. It's, it's more laughable than anything else. I mean, to be fair, I do, I do know somebody who did have nightmares, but that's because they did the thing that I think a lot of us did growing up in the Mm eighties. If you had a two story house, generally speaking, the bedrooms are on the second floor, right? Usually. Yeah. So what did you do when your parents were watching something at like 8 PM Mm -hmm. and you were supposed to be in bed? Uh, snuck downstairs and tried to very sneakily look over the couch. <laughs> yup. Between banister railings, behind yep. the couch. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that those movies were actually made for the stairs slash couch hiders. Yeah. So, that's how that's... I watched uh, Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that freaking me out a couple of times. That's fair. Well, I mean, mysteries being unsolved, not real great. <laughs> but they went into, like, alien territory every once in a while, like, because it was, what, Robert Stack, I think? Oh, I don't know. It was the guy from Airplane. Uh, he had, like, that really, like, deep, like, and this was the thing, blah, blah, blah. blah. Right. But, yeah, I just remember there were a couple of stories on that, like, they went into, like, ghosts or aliens, and just, when you're, when you're nine years old... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was before the History Channel and that guy with the I stuck my finger in elec- in an electrical socket hair. <laughs> I don't know his name, but, like, that guy. Yeah, that guy. You know, dude. those people who think that, you know, the pyramids were built by the Stargate. Uh, Clearly, duh. <laughs> Luckily, they don't go into that territory with Stranger Things. So. Thank God, no. Yes. They do go into really, um, like, they don't go into a whole lot of detail, actually, and I think that was probably a good move on their part. Yeah, there's there's definitely, I think we, we were talking about this um, before we decided we wanted to do a podcast um, <laughs> where, yeah, there's there's very little information given to the extent of knowing what the, the creature is or what the upside yeah. down really is. Um, all we know... They don't even say it until, ha- like, what, the second to last episode? Some, yeah, it's pretty much like... There's a lot of buildup in those first because we're only dealing with eight episodes. There's a lot of buildup in probably about the the up to the sixth episode where you're yeah. really just gathering information and getting story beats so that it can all kind of like culminate in those last two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, they're they're very sparing on basically even the dealings of that shady government agency going on in the electric plant and uh, and 
exactly what the hell is going on. So, or why? Yeah. Like, I, I understood... Uh, I understood part of their references. So they they were trying to do something along the lines of, um, you know, projection and overhearing things that they're not supposed to be hearing, which had to do with spycraft. So they mm-hmm. were leaving breadcrumbs throughout tiny snippets of Eleven's backstory yeah. that indicated perhaps why they might be doing this. But they never actually went into how or why they were going to do anything about the monster that escaped once they had Eleven fucking touch it. Yeah. In the in-between. It's, there's a lot of things that just feels like came down to poor planning on their part. Right, but apparently poor planning also includes hazmat suits and going into the devil's fucking butthole attached to a fishing line. That's a great call. You know what we should do? We should send a guy in with a really flimsy tether. Yeah. And just see what happens. I mean, I'm all for, like, exploration of the unknown, but that seems like they should have had, like, some kind of a... That's probably the situation where a drone would have been helpful. (laughs) Right, or something. Like, at, at that point, we were... We were fucking sending rockets to the moon yeah, by the 80s. It, we, we had that shit nailed down. Yeah, it's the 80s. We would have had, like, some kind of video surveillance equipment we could have, like, just roboted through. I mean, just put one together. Some, like, haphazard one. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Just find, you know, adolescent Bill Gates and <laughs> go to work. Oh my god, that would be amazing if they did that. <laughs> That's how Bill Gates got on all of his money. <laughs> oh! That's why Apple works, or Microsoft, whatever. That's why there's the bite out of the apple. (laughs) It symbolizes the part of his soul that he sold Mm. for the exploration rights to the in-between. That's true. Oh, Steve, that's where Steve Jobs actually went. He went back (laughs) to the in-between. He didn't die, he just went back home. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of like what happens to Elvis or Tupac, except it's way more horrifying. Right. Yeah. Turns out the ship that E.T. got on were the enemies of his people. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, the doodle. (laughs) But yeah, like, it was was very sparing on the details, which, to a point, Mm -hmm. I thought was smart. Yes. It really was. Um, I think not seeing the monster in full, like, regalia was very smart. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that they they took a lot of really good cues from what made uh, the best parts of Resident Evil, honestly, because that was where I really got a lot of feel from the monster itself. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's definitely the, this amalgamation of a lot of like on screen um, movie monsters. I mean, there's definitely like the Aliens franchise and the Thing and everything. Uh-huh. I mean, Aliens more so than anything else because of the vagina face and the yeah. um, and the egg. Kind but of opening the, in four ways. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like Predator on top of it. Yeah. Whee! <laughs> Everything comes back to fear of vaginas, guys. It's the 80s. So true. <laughs> and we've not gotten rid of it since. Oh, uh, never will. <laughs> it's so true. But th- <laughs> there's a couple of videos out there that actually kind of, like, they put the screenshots up as to, like, what movie they're invoking when certain like in certain areas or when it comes to a certain scene or something like that so there's a couple of those out there which you know and some of them are almost like a shot for shot 
Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a huge Spielberg vibe um, where the kids are concerned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, oh, you, for sure. And also with the, because there's, Spielberg and Stephen King um, are, I think, the two biggest references that they use. Uh, Spielberg definitely for E.T., and then Stephen King for just pretty much any of his stories that include a psychic. (laughs) Just all of them. All of his cautionary tales about, man, do not let the government research psychics. It turns out real fucking bad. Yeah, it never goes well. (laughs) Um. And yeah, so it's it's really interesting, like just how much of that nostalgia factors into Stranger Things, but also doesn't feel so overwhelming that it's not a distinguished story. Yeah, I liked that they actually did tell their own story while also paying homage to so many of the '80s tropes, but didn't fall into some of the traps that they had. Because mm-hmm. um, with with certain exceptions, I I was very disappointed in. Um, <clears throat> God, what was the teenager's name? Which the, one? The Barb? Not Barb, the other gal. Nancy. Nat, Nancy. Yeah. So Nancy was better than I thought she would be, mm-hmm. but not as good as I would have actually wanted her to be, if that makes sense. Oh, no, like, definitely. She, I mean, explain yourself, ma'am. <laughs> I shall. Oh, right. uh, like, she, she was not defenseless. Mm-hmm. She was not just a harpy. So she was definitely differentiated from the Scream Queens of the 80s, where all they were there for was to give um, a reason for the guy to show how manly he was. Yeah. So I I appreciated the fact that she was more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't like what they ended up doing with her, or the lack thereof, but we'll see, I guess, what they do in the second season. What, yeah, because Nancy definitely, when the, when the, the show starts, is, is kind of playing your typical, like, good girl who is trying to rebel, but it's, you know, it's... Sucks at it. Yeah, it's suburban rebelling, (laughs) so it's like, oh... I'm gonna date the jock! Yeah, I'm gonna shotgun (laughs) a, one beer, and oh my god! Um, yeah. But, uh... And it, it's when she actually starts interacting with Jonathan Moore, who's the older brother of the boy who goes missing, Will, and is oldest son of Winona Ryder's character, who we'll get into because Winona Ryder's amazing in this show. Yes. Um, but yeah, when she starts interacting with Jonathan and they do, like, she actually, she puts her own story into motion. Like, it's very much centered on her actions affect a lot of how that portion of the story goes. So I appreciate that, and I also do like that she just levels up in badass, like, towards the end. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, like, this girl is, like, uh, she's afraid, but she's also fearless at the same time. Like, she's concerned for her friend because she feels guilty, you know, for how she treated her and that she's missing. Um, And then it just dovetails into the the same stories that's, you know, in... um, uh, crossing with Winona Ryder's character and then with her, her younger brother's uh, band of misfits. So when they all get together and it's and it's all, everyone's kind of working that out, it, it, always, it, it seems like it makes more sense. It all kind of works out. And I actually do, I like the end. I like the end where, <laughs> spoilers once again. <laughs> <laughs> Massive. Yes, because Nancy is um, through the, the first part with uh, this guy, the, the coolest guy in school, basically, the, um, the very James Spadery kind oh, yeah. of <laughs> guy named Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve. Uh, they have sex, which in most horror genres would mean, oh, you gonna die. Right. Um, she doesn't. 
spoiler. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he turns out to be a jerk at one point, which you kind of saw coming, but then has a face heel turn and uh, also levels up in Badass. And then by the end of the show, when everything's kind of mostly worked itself out, or did it, uh, (laughs) it turns out even though she has uh, romantic tension with Jonathan, she's still with Steve by the end of it. And from what I've heard is the the reason that Steve even stuck around was because the the showrunners really liked the guy, like the the actor. Really? Uh, Yep, that's that's what I've heard. Um, and so they're, they're still together and, but I like that because it does, it, it again subverts that whole like, oh, that's the guy she was always supposed to be with, you know, like, cause if they'd gotten together by the end, I don't feel it would have been as genuine, you know? Right. It would have felt a lot like 80s, uh, nerd wish fulfillment, mm-hmm. which I get, but they did say that they wanted to specifically stay away from that trope. And I really appreciate the fact that they did. Yeah. Um. It would have been nice if she would have maybe kicked both of them to the curb, but, you know, take what you can get at this point. Yeah, it'll it'll serve to make more tension in the next uh, season, because obviously it'll be a, oh man, she's with Steve, but we all know she probably secretly loves Jonathan a lot more. Which, I, I don't know why. I know. Like, honestly, I, I don't understand quite the love for Jonathan, because mm-hmm. he's... He's really creepy. Yeah, uh, he's got that, that weird. I, and it's just, it's just the actor's face. I think it's. it's I know, unfortunate. which is super unfortunate. But the the sunken eyes, the heavy brow, and the like pseudo shag bull cut thing that's going on make mm-hmm. him look exactly like the kind of person that will lurk in your bushes and take masturbatory pictures of you. Which is kind of what he does at one point. Um, it's exactly what he does, except yeah. for he's blessedly not whacking it right there in the bushes. Yeah, he's he's actually looking for his brother and taking pictures of like basically the you know, quote-unquote scene of the crime, because there's really right. no trace, and happens to come across Steve's parents' house out in the middle of the woods, I guess. Um, and, and the, the pool scene wherein after Nancy has, has shotgun a beer, uh, she gets pushed in by Steve and oh, hilarity ensues before Barb gets, uh, and this isn't fridging. That's, I think that's really an actual uh, point that needs to be made here because a lot of people are saying that Barb was fridged, um, in, in the show, which, uh, the whole idea of the trope of women in refrigerators is about the, um, uh, perpetuating uh, or pushing forward a male character story at the expense of a woman dying or being hurt or mangled or anything like that. Um, in this case, it was not uh, Barb dies so that Steve can have a you know a, a, a bigger character Moment arc. Heroism or yeah, exactly. Barb is an unfortunate consequence of Nancy's kind of neglect and. Um, uh, just, just in general, just kind of a, a warning to people that no one's safe, kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate because um, a lot of people really like the character of Barb um, and the actress, um, who I'm, I'm forgetting her name, but I have IMDb pulled up here, so I will look at it. Look at you, you're so smart. All right, well, I figured because we might had to talk about the actual actors, and I was like, I'm not going to remember all of these people. <laughs> I, I don't remember anybody's name in that fucking thing except for Winona Ryder. There like, we go. I love Hopper, and I've seen him in a ton of different stuff. Don't know his name off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I when I saw the actor's face, like, I'd forgotten what his name was, but when I saw his face, I was like, I know who this guy is. Like, I've seen him somewhere before. Yep. Um, Shannon Purser 
is the the actress's name who plays Barb. Um, I I understand why people really liked her. Like there, you know, she's an immediate um, callback to the eighties in a lot of ways, just in terms of the glasses, the mom jeans, and all this kind of stuff. The hair color going back to things like sixteen candles. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I don't feel personally like she got enough screen time for me to really attach to her as a character. Um, no. So, I mean, and I totally get it. If people really love this character and for whatever reason, great, fine. I'm not trying to, you know, say that you shouldn't or can't no. immediately attach to this person. But, yeah, Barb for me was like, okay, she's an unfortunate consequence of this, but it doesn't feel like the worst thing in the world that they maybe don't address why she she didn't survive. <laughs> I feel like it will be important to address the fact that she didn't survive, but Will did. Mm-hmm. But I think that will come about naturally within the next uh, season. Because yeah. the stuff that I've seen online, at least, has indicated that, you know, of course, they're going to make Will the the genesis for the next big bad. Oh, right? Of course, yeah. So we're now missing Eleven. Mm-hmm. She's just mysteriously gone. Uh, or is she? She could be I, in the woods. Who knows? She's probably... Because Pop, you know, buried food out there for some reason, either and, in tribute or in actually keeping somebody alive. And in, and specifically waffles. Like, the, the, yeah. the indicator is, like, when he leaves the Ego waffles out there, it's like, oh, Eleven's probably still around. But why she's not telling anyone, that that's probably going to be the, the bigger mystery. Right. So either she is around... Or he is putting up kind of a memorial and they hope that she's still around because there's things that they don't understand. Either way, it was a decent thing to do with a last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a huge setup for Will to be the next big bad, especially since he, spoiler alert, coughs up a giant fuck-off slug (laughs) in the in the freaking sink mm-hmm. that slides down the sink and then yay we've got slugs in the water supply now that's good yeah it'll be interesting that's- if they're trying to take like a slither approach to things where <laughs> oh, oh. i, I kind of hope not. not i so confession time mm. i have a really hard time with things like slugs or like anything that has either no legs or more than four, we're not friends. <laughs> I don't I agree. like them. I like certain snakes as long as they're not venomous, mm-hmm. but that is it. <laughs> um, so slugs just—they really squirt me out, mm-hmm. and it calls to mind things like uh, in Wrath of Khan when they put uh, the bugs in people's ears for mind control, oh, or yeah. yeah, or the mosquito thing that turns into a slug that goes into Neo's belly button in the Matrix. <laughs> like, there's a whole bunch of really creepy things that go in a lot of different orifices, and I'm not about it. It's like, I'm not down for that. I'm not down for it. No. <laughs> I, I choose to not live in Australia for this very reason, guys. <laughs> so many bugs. <laughs> so many. So many huge ones that would just be like, fuck off. Exactly. My friend in Australia, Adriana, is uh, the bravest person that I know because she's like, yeah, whatever, we've got this huge-ass spider on our front porch. It's like, ah, no. It's like, nope, kill it with fire. Find all the fire you can and kill it with it. Exactly. <laughs> Learn how to so, make fire and then kill it. <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about the fact that they're using 
uh, sort of gross tropes to get along there, but the the difference between why Will survived for days and days and days and wasn't actually just eaten by the monster uh, versus Barb being gone only probably a matter of hours, if not like a couple of days at most. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it about Will? Uh is there actually a weird tie-in psychic link-wise between the D&D game that they were playing, or is that just a callback to monsters and mazes? Oh my god. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, and and so I I feel I feel like yeah, it, it would be important to kind of, you know, talk about like why will survive longer than than Barb, but I also feel like it's where they were taken into the dimension. Because Barb was on the was on the diving board of a swimming pool, yep. And then so when she, when we when we see her again when she's in the the uh, what what the hell the thing is upside down, you know she's in she's in a place where she can't easily get out of, right. And that makes her a sitting target. Whereas Will was at least taken in a shed full of stuff he could probably use against the thing. So True, I'm I'm almost thinking it's circumstantial. Mm-hmm. But then why, when he is in the Upside Down and you see the monster skulking around the outside right before the, you know, shack hideaway thing gets blown in, mm-hmm. like, before he's rescued by his, his mom and Hop, it's obvious that the monster can get to him. Yeah. And either it hadn't until now, all because of what you're talking about with him having, like, a psychic refuge. Because, mm-hmm. of course, if it is a question of being vulnerable or feeling safe, and that's what actually keeps you safe in this psychic world, mm-hmm. then okay. Um, but the the unanswered questions in that regard just really bugged me at the end of the series. Mm-hmm. I could not let it go. <laughs> You're going to start singing from Frozen? It's like, let it go. <laughs> I will sooner shoot myself. Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> I have too many friends with small children. I've heard that song so many times. I, I don't even need to have friends with small children. I just don't even really like the song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't really care for the movie either, but that's another episode. Right? I will happily do with you. <laughs> oh, man. I could go on for a long time about Disney movies. Uh, right. Um. But yeah, no, it, it it will be interesting to see, like, how much further they want to go into, like, explaining uh, the Upside Down, because that's, I think, um, and, and this is always the problem when you go into a second season of something that's really popular, is that you run the risk of explaining too much, and then people are just, like, either disappointed or just don't care, um, or not explaining enough, and then people feel like they've gotten, like, narrative blue balls from you not explaining enough and still have no idea what the hell is happening. Right. And actually there was a, there's an article that I pulled up before we started going here, which was from variety that Mm -hmm. was talking, it was an interview with both of the brothers. Um, and the, the question was, even though you tell a complete story within the season, you end on a couple of major cliffhangers. The first being Eleven's disappearance. Uh, and do you want to hint at where she's been with the scene of Hopper leaving Egos in the Woods, which is what you and I were talking about. Um, yeah. They, they definitely want to keep telling the story that they have trailed off on, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, the question becomes, like, what kind of cliffhangers should and should not be done at the end of a season? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you want to... Do you watch The Walking Dead? You know, I did for a while, and then I just stopped because I'd read most of the uh, graphic novels, mm-hmm. and 
just started going kind of off the rails and I was done. But yeah. continue your thought process because I have enough friends who watch it to fill me in. Okay. Well, so it, it's kind of like with the most recent season of The Walking Dead where they ended on what they referred to as a cliffhanger because they're about they're they're meeting with uh Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character Negan and he's he kills somebody but we don't know who it is because they do it from the perspective of that person and um, it was a whole season that was kind of building up to not only the meeting of of Negan but we knew that someone was going to die because that's famously what Negan did in the comics right um and in the comics spoiler alert it was Glenn that's who he killed <laughs> Um, so a lot of people were worried that Glenn was going to die, and then they did that fake-out death thing, which I don't know if they did that on purpose to be like, uh, prepare for him really dying. Right. Um, but it was also a really stupid thing that they did in how they approached the death versus this, uh, this what they call a cliffhanger, which wasn't really a cliffhanger. It was just a lot of build-up for a lot of nothing. Um, whereas with Stranger Things, and granted Stranger Things is the first season of, of what could be only a couple of seasons of a series. I mean, we don't know with Netflix how long they want to do these things for. Um, but you know, uh, Walking Dead's in its seventh season, basically. And... Jesus, already? Right? I know, it doesn't feel like that, but... How long can the Rick Bad Decision Train keep going? Oh, it'll keep going. It'll keep going. Bust it? They're going to ride that thing into the ground. <laughs> Ugh, all right, fine. See, this is why I don't watch it. Like, yeah. I liked Daryl, and that was... Daryl and Carol, I liked them, and that was about it after a certain point. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough for me to keep watching the bad decision train happen. Yeah, it's like, there... Yeah, I don't know how many more times Rick can just completely get it wrong before everyone just dies in a fire. Um, but yeah, yeah so... <laughs> I mean, Interesting dichotomy between him and then Hopper mm-hmm. being actually competent for somebody who's going through a whole bunch of grief and has still not processed his daughter's death mm-hmm. or his divorce. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was interesting that they didn't follow the same style of trope that they did with Rick of like, oh, you're broken by this experience and you're a terrible leader now. Eh, Hopper did what he had to do. You might not like it, but he did. Well, and and that's the thing, too. Like, with Hopper and uh, Joyce, uh, who is uh, Winona Ryder's character, what what I really liked about in those first few episodes of Setup is you're kind of building off of the idea that, I mean, we, we know as the audience that there's something else going on because that's the whole point of the show. Right. But... This is not boring things. This is Stranger yeah. Things. Th- this isn't a Lifetime movie where a kid goes missing and then it's the manhunt for it. It's like, no, a kid goes missing and now it's turned into a sci-fi thriller where we try to get this kid back. Right. Um, but they do a really good job, I feel like, setting up the adult characters to, first of all, not be idiots. Um, yes! And, and secondly, and, and also be, like, fully realized people. Like, even... Even, um, was it Mike and Nancy's mom is a real person that I was actually rooting for her more at times when she was dealing with her kids. Yeah, no shit. And she had that absolutely useless husband. Oh my god, that guy I wanted to punch in the face. I think everybody did. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, and, and it's one of the things that makes Stranger Things, I, I think, stand out more than even the movies it's referencing at times, is that yeah. they, they actually devote time to making sure that everyone feels feels like a person 
so that you're not just going like, oh yeah, that's just their parents, like screw parents, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, if you actually look at what's happening to, to Mrs. Wheeler the whole time, like this woman is trying to communicate with her children who are going through an entirely separate thing, yeah. <laughs> dealing with things that she can't even comprehend right now, but she's still trying to connect with them. It's just not working out for her. But it was really cool to see that happen. I would say that uh, the only characters, which no main characters that were not fully realized, um, were like any of the the government agents, even the head honcho bad guy. Oh yeah, Matthew Modine's character. Um, and then yeah. So besides the Wheelers, like none of the other parents were involved, which it was interesting. During the only black character had no yeah. familial references that played in. Yeah, the but that's just yeah. It's, I think it's just God. timing that you need to. It's like, can we really devote more time to another set of parents? Where yeah, yeah. It, I, I just hope that they actually do the same, like the same justice to that family as they did for the other families. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, it just it it kind of backsteps by having a main character of color who is shown to have a huge emotional range, which is not very common. Mm-hmm. Um. They, they have a whole lot of humility mm-hmm. when they apologize, um, but they don't show any of the same family ties. So that was just an interesting thing that I hope is corrected later on. Yeah, it would be interesting to see like how Lucas's family works, and as well as Dustin's family. Um, yeah, because we don't see either of those. We're just kind of centered around the Wheeler family and uh, and then the um, Byers family because of Will and everything. So, so yeah, like getting into the more of the family dynamics, which they, they've got like an extra episode next season. So maybe they'll devote some time to those families. But I mean, oh, do they? Yeah, they, they got like nine episodes next season. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. I had wondered at why they actually had so few episodes, relatively speaking, because mm-hmm. uh, most of the Netflix series that I've seen have done at least like 13. Yeah, I maybe... I mean, I'm not sure. I feel like with Netflix, they're kind of like, you know, how many episodes do you want? Or mm. do you feel that you can tell that story in? And maybe that's... That's fair. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I know with the Marvel shows, they've they've usually centered around the, like, 12 to 13-ish. Um, but... Which has worked out phenomenally well, and I hope they keep doing that for Luke Cage, because oh, yeah. I will be so happy. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. It's like, oh, Luke Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but for the record, Luke Cage, awesome. <laughs> yes, exciting. It's like, but back to the eighties. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I do want to. I do want to talk about uh, Joyce, uh, Winona Ryder's character, for for a little bit. Um, yes. Just because, like, I know there were a lot of people criticizing her performance because they're like, she's so hysterical and blah blah blah. It's like she's playing a woman uh, who thinks that she's lost her son. <laughs> And then I think she was perfectly hysterical because she didn't have a child anymore and police weren't listening to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like the the way she plays Joyce in terms of the situation that she's in and then with all of the craziness that starts happening with the lights and uh, which there were some beautiful shots made be- using the uh, Oh my god, like any time that when she's holding the the Christmas lights in her hands um, uh-huh. And then when she just has them, with her in the cubby. Oh my god, yeah! Like I love that scene just because of how it's shot, how it's lit, 
Um, just you feel her desperation and just like the any kind of communication she can have with her son, which it's interesting to see like how, how that works. Um, yeah. And then just even like whenever she's got them strung up, uh, within the house, just how, just how messy that house gets when, when she's trying to communicate with Will just shows, I think like the lengths any mother would go to, to get their kid back. I mean, or to, to, to have any kind of moment to talk to them. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting illustration of um, something that was also very common in the eighties, more so than now. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but there there used to be a lot more people who would claim to be psychics mm-hmm. and would be called in on um, hunts for like missing children. Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting themely callback I felt to the eighties when the the whole thought of psychic connections and other worlds was so much more uh believable mm-hmm. and, and and also she kind of brings that up too where she's just like i know he's still alive because i can feel it it's like yep. um which is a common thing that a lot of people put into movies or te- television shows where a child goes missing where it's like that connection that parents you know intrinsically have to their kids i mean Right. Um, and with, with Joyce, it's much more believable, too, because in the flashbacks, I like how they show that she's that type of mom. Like, she's, yeah, she's a divorced, you know, single working mom with two kids and everything, but she's also encouraging of her children. Like, the when Will is talking about his D&D stuff, um, which, again, the show puts D&D in such a positive light. Like, it's not, it to what you were saying with, like, the, uh, the Mazes and Monsters reference... This is much less of a D&D is going to lead you down a terrible path. And it's just like, no, it's just a thing that they do. It's a game. It's, you know, a, a way of socializing for these kids. Um, yeah. yeah, they're the nerdy kids who are on the outside. But through this game, they have that kinship as well. Um, and I love how Joyce is also encouraging of that with her son. You know, those flashbacks where she's asking him questions and uh, encouraging, you know, like looks at the drawings and all that kind of stuff. So it shows that... This is not like the harried mother who doesn't have time for her children because she's a terrible person or anything like that. This is a harried mom who's trying to take care of her children, but still like shows an active interest in them. Yes. Like, even though she has absolutely no time to herself, no ability to do any of the things that she would want to for her kids and is maybe not as aware of the fact that you know, her son is working hours upon hours at a job that he, you know, ideally wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. She still cares about what's going on in their lives. Exactly. Which is contrary to every other trope that I've seen about the single mom. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of nice that they show those, um, those nuances, I guess. Um, because you have Joyce who, who pretty much knows an awful lot about her kids. I mean, Jonathan's a bit more of the loner type, but he seems to have a pretty good connection with his mother as well. Um, cause yeah. he's a, he likes to take photos and, and she seems to at least know about this hobby and, and all that. Um, whereas you compare her to, you know, the wheelers and, you know, yeah. the, her counterpart who basically is trying, but just her kids are just keeping stuff from her. And, but I like that she's not an idiot. Like she figures out that right. Nancy and Steve had sex and she's still trying to communicate. And it's just like, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah despite despite best efforts just not quite connecting yeah but 
I'm not bitter about it either. No, yeah. nice. it's not like she's holding it against her kids or anything like that. She's she's just she just wants them to know that she's there and available that she'll uh, she, she'll be there when they need her. And I, I am surprised that no one has gone down in the basement since, since Eleven like gets taken into the home. But okay, <laughs> like. Yeah. She's really I easy mean, to keep secrets from, apparently. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little but, bit. You know, that's, that's also not altogether uncommon. The basement was only um, quasi-finished, mm-hmm. so it's it tends to be kind of a storage area slash just shove things that you don't want to deal with right now in there. Yeah. And generally, it's like a laundry room, but it was it was interesting that that was what, what all went down. Um what what I'm interested to see next season mm-hmm. is where they go with with the mothers next. Because yeah. like you said, they're not stupid. So we've got something that's going to obviously happen with Will, and he's already keeping secrets from his mom. Mm-hmm. So how much of that is she going to pick up on? How, how much of anything is Mrs. Wheeler going to pick up on now? Yeah. Like, especially after everything that's happened, like how much is the government covering things up? Like to to what degree? And it's like because if if something starts going down, at least with these particular characters, it's going to be a lot less of like oh we have to convince them that this is a real thing going on, but more it's going to be like okay this is this is the thing we're experienced with it now how do we handle it? The only thing that might come up is a lot of denial from Joyce mm. because she. She just got her kid back. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not so certain that she'll be ready to see her child become what she fought against. Uh, and same thing with the group of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, without Eleven there directly, who is now going to be the, the person who takes the lead on that? Who is going to actually make those kinds of choices? Mm-hmm. And what is going to be the result? Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of story potential that they kind of, like, left hanging there, which is, again, it goes into, you know, when you have a sequel and you have a popular television show that's, you know, everyone's kind of, like, sitting on the edge of their bed waiting for you to tell them the next part of the story, basically. Um, Right. Well, and the brothers said that they have a, like, 30-page document that they're working from about story tie-ins and lead-offs and everything like that. They're just waiting to see what captures imagination the most, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if if people are in interested in the different story arcs, make sure you put that somewhere yeah. because apparently they are listening, which is different than a lot of network TV. It's true, and, and I saw something on Twitter where someone was like, you know, it's great that everyone loves the show, but I hope that the the Duffer Brothers just do what they want to do, like tell the the story right. they want to tell, which is entirely fair. It's just like. You can love something so much, and this kind of like dovetails into a lot of discussions about fandom and entitlement and criticisms and all that kind of stuff. But at right. the end of the day, it's their story to tell, and hopefully the next chapter of that story is going to be, you know, just as good, at the very least just as good as what we got. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see... What happens, because they're already talking about having a few guest directors, like, for instance, James Cameron. Yeah, that um, was weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not certain how I feel about the James Cameron thing, but... Well, I was shocked that Sean Levy, we'll you know, Sean Levy directed, what, two or three episodes, because I saw his name when the credits, I was like, Sean Levy, really? <laughs> like, yeah. 
and uh, and it's the, definitely surprising. Yeah, and, and the two of them worked with Shyamalan too, so I'm wondering if he's ever going to show up. Please no. It's like the one request we all have: don't let M Night Shyamalan take any part of the show. He'll somehow dovetail this all into Lady in the Water, and oh. I don't think any of us want that. He'll make himself the main character of some episode. Yes. <laughs> the prolific writer not. that no one understands. Ugh. I know, right? So terrible. I hate that no, movie. <laughs> I just don't even understand how people can keep letting him make movies. And yes, they do. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it's always a bad idea now. God damn it. Kind of like Snyder. <laughs> Bringing it back. Uh, <laughs> I'm good with the circle around. Hey, that's why I like you. Yay! And for other reasons, obviously. Uh, Clearly. Yes. Uh, so I actually want to talk about like the core group of kids for a second, too. Sure. Um, because I brought this up on Facebook, and you, I, I remember you heartily agreed with me that the boys, the, the main group of boys are really, at least to me, they're not very interesting in terms of, like, you know, if you look at the narrative as a whole, like, if you step back, they, uh-huh. they just, I just don't find them as um, as engaging or as interesting as any of the female characters. And, and it's not necessarily an uber-feminist thing. It just feels like there's not... Yeah there's not as much meat to the the boys characters as there is devoted to 11 or even Nancy or the, you know, Joyce and Mrs. Wheeler and everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know if, if, you know, how much you agree with that or if, um, or if I'm hitting the nail on the head for you or anything. I would definitely agree. Um, it's interesting because I can think of a whole bunch of movies where you've got a group of boys and they're the ones who solve all of the issues and everything. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it it wasn't just the plucky little eleven year old heroes. Yeah, like yes, they definitely had a a part in this, and yes, they kept the story moving forward. But they weren't the main developments. Yeah, you know, we got to see them as characters within the greater fabric of a story, but it wasn't like I don't know the Goonies. Where it's just all about these kids. Yeah, and and I think that's what happens when you you trade off the whole like because in Goonies it's a lot more the kids are smarter than the villains they're going up against kind of thing. Um, yeah. In in this, the kids are not smarter than the adults. They just happen to have a little bit more information here than you know Joyce does over here, um, or Nancy right. and Jonathan have, and and it really right. kind of. But they still try to defeat the. The Demogorgon with a slingshot. Yes. When that slingshot thing comes up, it's like, okay, dude, stop. (laughs) Like, just stop. But I loved the feeling of victory that they had Mm -hmm. for just a moment, right before they see Eleven was the one who actually decimated everything. Yeah, exactly. You're like, there's no way. Yeah, I got it! (laughs) Okay. Those little little D&D fantasies just coming to life. (laughs) And as somebody who has had quite a few D&D fantasies when I was younger, it was pretty great to see things play out. Yes. But, yeah, Slingshot does not beat Demogorgon. No. Uh, you, you need powerful uh, psychic girl in a, a pink frock and a jacket <laughs> to do that for right. you. <laughs> um, I thought that that was an interesting correlation between how the Demogorgon was actually, at least for now, defeated mm-hmm. and, and how more practical means... 
definitely failed. Because think about all of the traps that uh, Jonathan and Nancy had set up, mm-hmm. which were very well thought out, yeah. uh, well planned, and well executed, with the exception of Steve bumbling into the mix. Which is uh, it's so random. We're going to talk about Steve's uh, turn as well. So. Uh, <laughs> I know, <Lord>. right? <laughs> yeah. Like, face-heel turn was definitely a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they did everything right. And for all practical purposes, they took the, the position of adults within that storyline and did everything that they should have done. It made sense mm-hmm. and still wasn't enough. Like, they, they even said, we must have killed it. Yeah. But, no, oh, you're fighting something on a plane that you can't really understand. Yeah, and, and yeah, because it takes Eleven to basically disintegrate it while it's in our world. Um, yeah. And, yeah, because Hop and Joyce don't have but a lot... with her mind. Yeah, but with her mind. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but Hop and Joyce don't really run into an, an issue where they have to... I, I forget, did they have to kill any of them in the in the Upside Down? Because there was just the one. No, that was the that was the interesting thing. Is so far there has only been evidence of the one demogorgon style uh, monster within mm-hmm. the Upside Down. The overwhelming feeling was of emptiness and yeah. cold and the lack of things there. So that was why it was interesting to see that you know, according to the storyline, apparently now Will is going to become. The Demogorgon, or is the jumping off point for another one, something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that yeah. They didn't, the adults didn't actually face any sort of a monster in in the place where you would have expected them to. Exactly, yeah, because I mean that was one of those things when we got to the ending, like when they when they actually find Will and they they have that moment where like, oh, he might not be alive, but you're as, as someone who's seen enough of these you know types of things like if he's not alive this story falls apart entirely like you have yeah. <laughs> will has to has to live because if he dies otherwise it's... this would have been pointless exactly like eleven's dead you know supposedly dead for no reason and the government stuff happens right. for no you know it's it's kind of like narratively speaking it's such a fake out but you're like okay i know that they have to go through the motions of this but let's let's get this over with <laughs> pretty quick here um, but yeah, the, the the boys in general are interesting to me because, again, this is a callback to something in the movies that uh, I, I think for definitely for you and I, we just don't have as much of a connection to because it always centers on a group of boys, um, you know, who are doing stuff and, you know, coming of age and, you know, E.T. is definitely like a big, you know, obviously the, the biggest influence in terms of that as well as the Goonies. Um, right. So it just felt like in terms of actual character development, they're, they're, you know, the biggest conflict they have is about Eleven and whether or not she's their, the quote unquote Lando or the, the traitor of the group. Right. <laughs> like that's their biggest conflict, but it never feels like it's like there are these big character moments. It's more just like, okay, we've got to get them from this to this, you know? Or I could be wrong, but it just it didn't feel like they had as much development as like when we when we look at Eleven's background when they start doing the flashbacks and you see just how you know she's been treated and you know how she's developing where she's trying to trust you know them and then like when she you know supposedly betrays them like there's just there's just something more interesting about her than than all three of those kids or all, all four of those boys. Agreed. And what I thought was actually really cool about it was inside of their story, there was no 
besides like a few moments of it, there was no real issue with her being a girl was the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cannot remember the kid's name, but the one who kept calling her Lanto. Um, are, we um, the, are we talking about the black kid? Yes. Okay, that's Lucas. Lucas, thank you. Yeah. I'm terrible with names, and this is no exception. So, <laughs> Lucas kept making an issue of the fact that she was a traitor and everything like that, but never brought it to a gendered perspective of she's a girl, she's obviously a traitor. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I thought that was an interesting spin on it, because I, I know a lot of 80s movies featured, like, a girl. Yeah. And it is an issue that she was a girl. Yeah, exactly. And and they do this interesting thing, too, because when she's first seen, they purposely, you know, set up the whole, like, um, uh, androgynous thing so that, you know, it can be kind of the red herring of the story. Like, oh, it's Will, you know, maybe it's Will. I mean, we as the audience know it's not Will, but, you know, in terms of the adults, I do like that it's not, like, they don't immediately dismiss it. Like, it takes a while for them to figure out that Will and Eleven are different people that they're going after. Right. (laughs) And so so it's, again, it goes back to them not treating the adults like idiots. Like, you can understand why they would make the assumption it's Will, but then when they figure out it's not him, it's, you know, it's not done in a way where it's like, well, duh. Yeah. It was, it was definitely not done in a, you guys are all idiots kind of way, which I've always hated parents in 80s movies for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was no boy gang that Eleven had to break into that was causing issues. Exactly. And we'll see if that trend continues, and we'll see if they actually do develop the boys a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like some of the actors off-screen. Like, I've seen interviews with them and everything like that, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that they actually don't take the road of 80s child stars. I hope that they're <laughs> not ruined. <laughs> well, it all seem really... It'll be interesting, too, because the next season comes out um, in 2017, and these these kids are all, like, what, 11, 12? Something like that? Yep. Um, so they're going to have a growth spurt real quick here, so... Yeah! It'll be interesting, like the Harry Potter syndrome, where the, you know, the child actors start going through puberty really quick. Yeah, that, that will definitely be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but yeah, it's like, and I don't want to come off as like, I didn't like any of the boy characters either. It's, um... Oh, no, not yeah. at all. No, it's, because I actually, I, I like them in terms of, like, what they serve, you know, the purpose they serve in the story. Like, I like that they don't feel, um, they don't feel disingenuous as people, you know? Right. You know, you really get, I mean, you really understand or, or get the feeling, like, in terms of the writing, like, these are just naturally young boys, and their biggest concern is their friend, and so it, it makes sense. It just, from my perspective, it just, narratively speaking, I was just like, yeah, the boys are okay, but everyone else over here is interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was totally cool that the, the hero and the focus was not, in fact, the journey of three young boys to try and prove everybody else is an idiot. Exactly. Um, but it is it is kind of awesome when they did kind of that E.T. moment where Eleven, like, lifts the truck. Yes! <laughs> like, yes! And they all recognized it was awesome. I thought that was fantastic. Exactly. Like, whenever she uses her powers and when the boys aren't really, like, in total conflict with each other, they're such champions of her abilities. It's, it's like, insanely yeah. awesome. Um, and I it do, really is. Yeah. I that was super cool. 
Like even the the one Stephen King thing that they did that I really noticed was the bullies, like going from, you know, we're just going to be like, we're basically telling you to do the truffle shuffle to I'm going to kill you with a knife. (laughs) It's like that escalated quickly. My goodness. All right, then. Yeah. It's just like, okay, now you've got to jump off the cliff into the quarry. It's like, uh, dude, (laughs) there's no way you don't get arrested for this. Right, because then they definitely would have had a body that was not, in fact, stuffed with things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I actually thought they did a good job of kind of throwing that that other red herring in there. You know, there's yeah, I thought that they really did. Yeah, like, I want to know they made a fake body that was passable enough, mm-hmm. considering their technology at that point. But you know, yeah. I'll let it go. Government agents always have resources. We'll just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Although, now, uh, what you wanted to talk about? Because I, I remember you wanted to circle back to something else, and I'm I'm forgetting. Um, you wanted to boys, and then there was something else that you wanted to go with. Uh, there's, I think there's two more things I definitely want to talk about. One is Matthew Modine, uh, the the scientist dude who's Eleven's, you know, quote unquote, Papa. Um, and then, oh. and then also Steve, I think, which one do you want to tackle first? Steve? Steve. Okay. Um, so with Steve, like there's a moment where he goes, he goes from jerk ass to repentant jerk ass in like the span of a few seconds. <laughs> like, right. He gets the shit kicked out of him by Jonathan. Um, after I guess his other buddy, who's like the even worse cool guy, I guess. Um, like spray paints that, you know, Nancy's a slut on the, on the marquee of the theater or whatever. Uh And so after he gets his ass whooped and it's clear that Nancy doesn't want anything to do with him anymore, then he suddenly has a change of heart because his friend is like really harping him on it and blah, 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 which then leads to him like trying to help with washing off the, the spray paint and then inexplicably goes to Jonathan's place to apologize to him, which just happens to be the moment that they're setting the trap for the the, the monster. Um, for me, <laughs> that that turnaround <laughs> needed another episode. Uh, yeah, definitely. But I just and I and I say this because just in terms of the the character arc of Steve, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with him not playing into that jerk-ass trope entirely but the the turnaround needed more time to actually develop but i don't know if how they would have done that within the span of time that they were actually dealing with so i don't know what do you what do you think tiff i think they would have i think they would have needed to actually have the breakdown between nancy and steve happen much earlier Mm -hmm. um because yeah you're right he he had his whole friend there egging him on there Within the scope of high school and within the scope of uh, power structures, there's no real reason that Steve would have chosen to go and apologize to Jonathan or to take Nancy's side, which is a girl that he slept with once. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, it made no sense to me. Yeah. I'm willing to let it go because of the time constraints, but it was definitely one of those things where I didn't 
think that it quite fit. Yeah, it's it, it it's one of like the because I I have very few criticisms of the show like overall, but oh, yeah. Steve's Steve's narrative arc is just kind of a like wait why did that what why did he do that now <laughs> like that makes no sense especially at this it felt moment. like they just really wanted him to be a good guy yeah and didn't quite know how to get there exactly like they because they were doing pretty good but I think yeah if they had had maybe one or two more episodes which again would have disrupted the actual timeline in terms of all the stuff with Eleven and getting Will back because the, that's really the main thrust of the whole show. So Steve's a minor right. convenience there. So sure, um, so and we're let, willing to let that go for the point of being a minor, you know, yeah. player in that story. Yeah, it's it's more it's more or less. It's just it's kind of like a eh, I wish it had been done better, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, there are certainly other shows that have had worse and you know less explained character turns so um i'm willing to let it go oh goodness yes (laughs) exactly yeah there there was a lot done right and there was so little done truly wrong Mm -hmm. that it's nice to be able to just pick on smaller things like that that you would have liked to have seen better Mm -hmm. instead of well this is a whole huge steaming pile of garbage why did i waste my time exactly why was i up till four in the morning watching this terrible awful show that i'm now devoting an entire podcast to Sometimes you gotta purge the demons. Sometimes it's throwing up a slug into the sink. Sometimes it's making a podcast. Do what you gotta do. Sometimes it's talking for three hours about Batman versus Superman. Oh, God. And it just, it wasn't enough. <sighs> we just had to stop. Yep. Oh, God. Just getting nightmares. <laughs> um, okay, so... It works to back up, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does, because there's just... I still want to go back and just rewrite Man of Steel because a lot of the problems with the Snyderverse like stem from that movie and it's just like if you just if I could just fix it or just talk it out and fix it and others would maybe agree with me on something (laughs) something anything just please tell me I'm not wrong and I know I'm not wrong because it's a piece of shit (laughs) yeah but um so let's talk about Matthew Modine's character for a second let's do let's do um so I was cool with Modine being there and him being a mostly silent person and just kind of like that shady government guy. But it felt like when he gets killed by the monster that it was really, it just didn't feel as satisfying. You know? Not at all. Yeah. It just, it like, it just happens and then cut to next, you know, the other scene or the kids are running away and trying to get away from it. It, it just felt like for all the stuff they had done to show like, you know, how he, you know, in his own way, I guess, cared about Eleven, but was mostly doing it for his own selfish needs. Um, For all the, you know, asshole things he's doing, he should have gotten, I guess, a more, I don't know, like a better on-screen death or a more graphic one, something more satisfying. I don't know. Or more involved with Eleven. Yeah. I would have thought that a good end for him would have been Eleven had to pick between saving him mm-hmm. and perhaps saving the boys or saving mm-hmm. like anybody else that was part of you know team good guy mm-hmm. but when when you completely remove 11 from the equation and you just have it be the demogorgon with the fact that you haven't shown either the demogorgon or the scientist on screen very often mm-hmm. it really ends up feeling like he got kind of a red shirt death yeah. and it's really hard to care about a red shirt <laughs> It's, it really is. They're so worthless. Right. <laughs> just throw them into a blender and just pre- 
glass puree. <laughs> it's like, hey, all you guys, you're going on the away team with Spock and Kirk. Hope you don't die. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I felt like that that death really just left me cold because there was, there was no clear chain of command where this is going to be the person who takes over the secret or this is who you're going to have to deal with from here on out. Mm-hmm. Nothing. There, yeah. there was really no uh, switch off to even give the hint that something besides Will was going to be in play next season, and I thought that was a real weak point. Yeah, it, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, guess, I don't know if it's because of the you know lack of character, you know, lack of time that we really spend. I mean, individually with those scientists or whatever. I mean, we see them in the flashbacks. We see them doing shady things and showing up to burger joints and killing people indiscriminately. <laughs> like, right, you know, like you do. Yeah. Just kill them in the walk-in. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, that That always seems like the the worst uh, strategy to take, like, especially if you think that an experiment has gone wrong. Like, killing random people just because they, like, saw a person that, you know, you're after doesn't feel like the best use of your resources. <laughs> no, it just makes more cleanup an issue, especially in the small town. Yeah. Um, I, I wish that they had at all gone into how there's suddenly a woman who is the main trigger person. Yeah. Because that would also be very much flying in the face of everything that would have been going on in the 80s. Um, or would it just been nice to have, like, someone else show up, like, who was in charge, like, was a higher up than Matthew Modine? You yeah. Know? Just Because that's someone. happened every other monster movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. There's always someone that shows up is like you screwed up. It's like, well, yeah, but now the now we have to fix this. It's like so that at least that we know that he's operating under some kind of an umbrella or someone's at least kind of waiting in the wings to be a bigger threat in the future. Right. You know, as of now, all we know is that Will, not not Will, um, Hop made a deal with the agency, but then when Modine and his people all die, basically. He gets in that car with those two other guys, but we don't know what really happened. And then suddenly he's leaving food out for supposedly Eleven to pick up in the woods. So, again, that's probably just going to feed into whatever, you know, happens in the next season. But again, kind of like with Modine's death, kind of like with certain bits of, like, Steve's characterization and maybe even stuff with Barb. Like, it just feels like there's places where they kind of drop the ball a little bit. And, and you're just kind of left going like, well, I, I guess I'll have to wait. And hopefully it's something they, they, they deign to, uh, to pick up on. Yeah, it, it kind of has the feeling of we want to touch on this next time, but you're just going to have to wait and see if we do, mm-hmm. which is not it's not really a great idea to tell a story backwards. Yeah, because <laughs> if, if we go into this and next season, all of a sudden Hop is the bad guy. There's not going to have been a whole lot of groundwork laid for that. Mm-hmm. And especially with murder mystery type sci-fi shows like this, everything is in the groundwork. Yeah. If you if you don't give me a narrative to believe, even if you switch me out later on, mm-hmm. you need to give me something to be thinking about as an audience member or I'm not going to really care. Because yeah. I don't want to have to watch a whole season to figure out where that obtuse tie-in was that you kind of, sort of connected. Exactly, and especially with this genre, with you know sci-fi, you know horror, thriller kind of stuff. Like our suspension of disbelief is pretty. You know, we have a pretty expansive one, um, yeah. but 
I think what Strangers, what Stranger Things did, especially in the first season, and hopefully going in the second one, is still grounding that in something in in something you could latch onto, in something believable in terms of like the characters and and, and the world that they live in. So yeah. going forward, it's going to be like if you're going to amp up the um, the monsters or the tension or anything like that, as long as you keep it grounded in a way that we can still believe the 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 quote unquote normal stuff and then the uh, supernatural things, uh-huh. you know we'll still be we're still good. We just need to have that kind of like that anchoring point. So hopefully that they. I, I mean I I have a lot of faith in the Duffer Brothers to be able to do that. So it's more or less oh, just like sure. the the cautionary. You know like oh this could happen or this could happen. Please don't let that happen. Right, and I think that they will probably handle it well. It, it's just. We have both been burned by so many different sci-fi franchises, and mm-hmm. since that's, I know, a, a huge favorite of mine, like, the sci-fi genre is basically where I call home. Yeah. Like, I've watched a ton of great sci-fi, and I've watched a ton of really terrible sci-fi. Yep. You know? Mostly and on I've, the sci-fi I've channel. i recognize the signs, man. <laughs> Game over, man. Game yeah. over. Exactly. Like, even the Aliens franchise knew when to call it quits. Did it. Kinda. <laughs> like, you Kinda. saw, Pro- did you see Wait. Prometheus? Uh, yes, unfortunately. And again, we come back to things with no legs <laughs> squiggling into orifices. <laughs> and that time it was an eye, and I was just so not okay. Well, to be fair in Prometheus, I was kind of, you know, I was actually surprised by the spectacular amount of terrible decisions happening in that movie. It was just yeah, like, that was definitely a whole bunch of terrible decisions. What was the most surprising for you, though? Oh, it was the it was the the geologist and the the other dude with the the snake thing, you know, the the vagina snake. <laughs> or he's just like, hey, I'm gonna go and touch that little guy. It's like, why, why, <laughs> why would you do that? And also, the, oh no, it's on my arm. I'm gonna die. And also that the geologist who put out all the markers to map where they are gets lost, like. That doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah, very little in that movie made sense. It was very pretty. Yeah. But made no sense. Yeah, but I feel like but, that's a lot of movies now. It's like, looks pretty, makes no sense. Kind of like Avatar, which is the main reason why I'm really not excited mm. about the James Cameron-directed episodes. I, I'm totally in agreement on that one. Like, as long as he doesn't go into a CG environment called Pandora, maybe we're okay. I guess. The fact that he wants to make five, I think, was what his last count was. Five five sequels to a movie that didn't require a sequel. Or, at all. And I feel like at this point in time, no one's really asking for them anyway. Nope, but just like he always does, he's going to give them to you whether you want them or not. Well, I know I'm not going to be going to see them, so there you go. God, no. I can only hope that we will have a repeat of the Oscars where he lost to his ex-wife for the Hurt Locker. Because <laughs> that was probably the sweetest the sweetest loss in the history of losses. It's like, go figure, you know, Catherine Bigelow comes out with another movie the same year that, you know. I would throw so much money at that on a GoFundMe. Right, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're, we're at over an hour, definitely in terms of the... Um, the actual stranger. Oh, the actual material? Yeah, the actual material. Uh, every time. <laughs> no, this is fine. We're, we're actually on track. Um, Tiff, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? 
um, in terms of Stranger Things or even outside of it. I know you wanted to talk about Netflix at one point, but I don't know if we touched on that enough. Um, you know, I'd be willing to do that in a different podcast, but, um, most of, most of what I actually had thoughts or concerns about Stranger Things, we've done a really good job covering. Um, there, there are so few relative plot holes in Stranger Things compared to a lot of other TV that I've watched. Mm -hmm. And it's really been a joy to watch something like this come about and break so many of the stereotypes that I wish fulfillment wise wish i could have gone back and done for the movies that i saw growing up Mm -hmm. so it's nice to see something like this even though it's not made for kids at all yeah um (laughs) it's nice to see this being made i hope that netflix continues to do stuff like this because the the format that they're doing it in is working great the only tv show of theirs that i have seen and disliked uh, especially in the sci-fi genre, was called In Between. Mm. And they were releasing it on a weekly basis and relying on the whole next time on In Between kind of thing. <laughs> you were like, next time, I don't care. Yep. I was <laughs> like, I'm literally on a streaming service that has a wish list of things I would rather watch. So guess what? <laughs> yeah, I think it was... Was Netflix, like, just experimenting with doing the week-by-week release, like a normal television show, or was it... I think so. Okay. Uh, I, I think that they were just kind of trying to see what happened. They were trying to see if they could do a viral build for a show, mm-hmm. because one of one of the downfalls... I guess we're talking about Netflix now, Yeah, we can, it's fine, no. <laughs> um, so one of the downfalls of a Netflix release of things is that you have to rely a lot on word of mouth getting out there fairly quickly Mm -hmm. in order to give you an accurate representation of uh, interest. And it's a very big gamble that you put everything out there all at once instead of, you know, you put a half season out or you put out one season of something and you watch how ratings go over the course of basically nine months. Yeah. Um, The network TV model works really well for gauging interest to a certain point mm-hmm. but it's it's hard because a lot of us uh, I could not actually tell you the last time that I sat down at a specific time and watched a TV show on on actual network TV I stream everything okay yeah no I'm uh... so I what's what well go ahead oh no no uh What's, what's your experience been in regards to, would you rather watch something on a week-by-week basis, or would you rather have the ability to, like, just binge all of it right now? Well, for me, like, because I, I, I do have cable, um, so I actually do both, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so I, I do tend to watch, like, all the superhero shows, like the CW shows, um, on the day that they come out. Um, unless it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing something that night and then I'll just, you know, DVR it or something like that. But no, but I also, uh, I actually would prefer almost to stream them because, you know, the, the waiting just makes it like having to sit with the terrible decisions of Arrow, you know, for another week. No. Or, or at the very least, like, can we just get to the part where Barry runs really fast? Because that's the best part right here. <laughs> Wait, where is this going to make a quip? Because, like, I like that part. Yeah, he's going to do that. <laughs> 
so yeah, I, 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 I do both. Um, but I, what I love about Netflix though, is that because they are reduced episodes, you know, it's a reduced season and it's for, uh-huh. it's for good reason as well, because, and I've, I, I think I said this with um, my friend Nathan, when we were kind of talking about um, the different superhero shows and everything is that um, with you, when you have long form TV shows, that go for 22 to maybe 26 episodes, depending the, uh-huh. the ability to tell a cohesive story through all of those episodes just goes so down, like the further and further out you get, like, um, arrow is a really good example of just not being able to sustain a plot. Yeah, um, unfortunately, exactly. And it, yeah, it, it does suck because with arrow, especially like the second season, I feel is where it was like, it was so strong and then it just gradually went down, down, down until its most recent season, which was just kind of like, I guess we've really joined that Jeff John school of telling everyone what we are actually feeling instead of, you know, acting what we're feeling. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, which is, it has always been an issue that I've had, not only with Jeff John's writing, but just even I'm noticing this thing is a big part of the Berlanti, Guggenheim, Kreisberg universe of, of shows is that they are really short on the ability to sustain a long arc. So it almost feels like they should go like, okay, for the first 13 episodes, we have this arc. And then for the next 13 episodes, we have this arc so that they, they can at least condense the storytelling. Um, and with, you know, with Netflix, at least based on like what we were talking about, it feels like they kind of give the creators the choice of how many episodes do you want to tell this story in? Like how many do you feel is the correct amount for you? Um, Right. Because yeah, even despite some narrative changes that I wish were in stranger things, I think eight episodes is still is perfect for the story that they were really trying to tell. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's always going to be filler moments, but sometimes you need those kind of, you need the breather moments and whatnot. Um, Daredevil's the same way. Jessica Jones the same way. You know, thir- twelve to thirteen, I think, is a really good sweet spot for the type of superhero stories that they're trying to tell. Um, and like, I watch BoJack Horseman. I mean, that's that's like twelve episodes, I think, usually, and it's like twelve of the most devastating episodes that are still like darkly hilarious. So, I've actually heard really great things about how they depict things like mental illness on that show it's yeah i would i I can't recommend it enough like bojack horseman is a really great adult cartoon okay (laughs) it's really good i'll check it out then Mm -hmm. i've i've kind of been meaning to but at the same time uh the person that the only person who had recommended it to me i was not necessarily enthused about their recommendation because Uh, they like some weird shit (laughs) no i i totally understand if like someone you're not too certain about their taste recommends something you're like i don't know I also don't know if I want to... recommendations have not led me astray, so... Oh, well, there's always bound to be one. (laughs) Probably, but as as a person who does struggle with mental illness issues, it would be really cool to see things depicted well, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's done to the the point of ridiculousness. Yeah, no, it's... Uh Again, like, I, I really, really enjoy that show, so you should totally watch it. I will. Oh, well. Yay. Um, and I haven't seen The Get Down yet, but I really want to watch. Um, it's on my queue. Yay. <laughs> um, sorry, my uh, upstairs neighbor decides he wants to, like, really... Stomp. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Actually, he's, Trust me. 
He's trying to sit on his couch, and it seems to be making a lot of noise because he can't sit still, the fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care if he hears it. <laughs> well, Walls we're... are thin, I'm moving out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My baseball bat's still in here. I could still hit that ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, is there... Um, Anything else about Netflix we want to cover, or was that just was that kind of like the gist of what you wanted to to get at? Or that's honestly the gist of what I wanted to get at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Netflix, as the binge streaming service, has really entered into the field as the predominant um, the predominant way that people are going to get their media now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I'm really enjoying the fact that they're bringing out their own uh, series. I have yet to not be enthused about a series besides the in-between, mm-hmm. but I have also stuck primarily to superhero and some drama stuff, I guess. I, I haven't watched, like, Frankie and Grace or... Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just don't watch a whole lot of um, really squishy movies, so <laughs> not, not my jam. <laughs> I don't want to feel things. Oh, no, I want to feel things, just not with a lifetime family kind of mm-hmm. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Not really my jam. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how much better Netflix gets at bringing out things that people want to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, for one, welcome our streaming overlords. <laughs> I as well. I as well. Um, well, I feel like that's a that's a good spot to to end the episode on, don't you think? Always end with overlords. Yeah, excellent, exactly. Like we we want to welcome the the new dictators. Yep. Um, just remember to vote Krang or Kodos. Uh, yes. Can't lose. <laughs> exactly. Because we're all gonna die. <laughs> um, but Tiff, thanks for coming back on the show and. Absolutely talking stranger things it's uh this this will be i think it's episode like 74 we'll have to check i know i feel like maybe a hundred might just be like okay and then we'll end everything (laughs) (laughs) i feel this is when sam kills a man oh god (laughs) it was a long time coming Uh, he'll probably be one of your bosses well i shot a man in reno just to watch him die so that's just like you do right (laughs) Just gonna go on down to Folsom Prison. <laughs> Complete my Johnny Cash quest. Yes. <laughs> check, check, check. It's like done and done. <laughs> um, oh, thank you for having me on, Sam. It's oh. always a kick to be on your show. I don't know why you keep having me back, but I enjoy that you do. Oh uh, well, I can tell you right now, it's cause I love you. Um, but, uh, so before we go, do you have anything out in the ether that you would like to promote that people should watch or check out or, you know, any, I, cause I know you do like PR for concerts every once in a while too. So, uh, I do, I've got a lot of stuff kind of in the, the middle of the works. I'm not quite sure where we're going to go with stuff. So it's not in the announcements phase, but mm-hmm. if there is, I will let you know and I will actually be more active on for for instance, Twitter. Mm. <laughs> Won't that be a day? Oh, my God. You're like, what? Tiff's doing stuff? <gasps> Amazing! Oh, my God. Uh, 
Well, uh, so yeah, we'll just I'll do the deets then for Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls. Uh, because I don't know anything about consolidating brand, you can go on Twitter at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. Why? Because we like you. Uh, (laughs) uh, You can also go to maniacalgeek.com, which is where eventually I'm going to post some more writing, but I'm in a little of a hiatus phase right now as I'm moving um, and you can go to the Facebook page, which is for both Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls, and go on iTunes or SoundCloud to listen to the podcast. So, uh, on behalf of That Girl with the Curls and Maniacal Geek, Tiff, thank you for joining me and talking about Stranger Thanks. Things. Yay! And as always, good night, everybody! Good night, Dr. Nick! <laughs>